Good morning. So, have you ever tried to get out of something? Like a chore or a duty or some sort of responsibility? Like maybe you try to get out of some sort of unpleasant task? Uh, I asked the youth kids and I got some great responses. Uh, one of the students said that when a parent tells them to do something like set the table, they just make their younger sibling do it. Um, they just re-delegate the task. Making your younger sibling do your chores for you. That's management material right there. Uh, another student said that when they're supposed to clean the toilet, uh, they just put the they just dump the chemicals in there, but they don't actually scrub with the brush. They just leave everything as it is because they know the next person who comes along will see it. And, and if they have to use the bathroom, they will see all the chemicals in there already and they will scrub it. And it's usually apparent. I think that's a pretty ingenious way of getting out of that chore, I'll admit. As a parent, have you ever heard your toddler screaming or crying and hope that your spouse takes care of it? Right? It's like we know we should address the we know we should address the situation, but we get this like temporary selective hearing loss. We secretly hope the other person deals with it. We secretly hope that they change the diaper. We secretly hope that they deal with the screaming. We secretly hope that maybe they take the kid to the soccer game. We're going to continue on in our series in Matthew. Uh, we'll be in chapter 27, but before we begin, let me pray. Heavenly Father, today I ask that you send the Spirit to us. Uh, help convict our hearts, Father, on the things that you've commanded us and the things that you've commissioned to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Since the last time I spoke uh, in the Matthew series was in March, uh, I, I want to review a little bit. Uh, we're going through the final stages of Jesus' life. So he and the disciples have gone up to Jerusalem to celebrate, to celebrate the Passover. Uh, Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus. Um, they had the Last Supper. Jesus was uh, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane with sleepy disciples. Uh, they held an, an illegal night trial. And surprise, surprise, Jesus is found guilty. Peter de denies Jesus' actions. Or, uh, Peter denies Jesus three times. And a rooster crows. And now... Afterwards, Jesus is sent to Pilate, a Roman governor, and here's where we pick up. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, uh, we're going to start in verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Pilate, at this point, is probably more curious than anything. He's, he's having to decide some little quarrel of some, other, of some minor religious sect, uh, the Jews. And so he's trying to do his due diligence. Right? He's, he's trying to figure out if this Jesus fellow is guilty of anything. Pilate is probably not familiar with like, the intricacies of, of Jewish law, so, so he's trying to understand what all the commotion is all about. Are you, in fact, the king of these uh, Jews? You're being accused of all these things and you're making no effort to defend yourself? And so, yeah, Pilate is greatly amazed. He's got a prisoner on trial who is, saying, who is staying completely silent on all the charges. I have to imagine that's, that's probably a first for, for Pilate. He's probably used to prisoners begging and pleading for their lives. This one is completely silent. We'll pick it up again in verse 15. 
Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas, or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. So this governor's custom of releasing a prisoner seems like our modern-day equivalent of a presidential pardon, it seems. Kind of like, kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. But notice that Pilate already implicitly knows that Jesus is the, that Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, was innocent. If you look down in verse 18, For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. At this point, I think Pilate knows Jesus had done nothing wrong. At most, Jesus was a little deranged, but, but that's it. Let's go on to verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. So Pilate, in the middle of a trial, gets a text message from his wife. Right, his, 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 phone, his phone vibrates. He pulls it out of his tunic and he checks his notifications. I have a screenshot here. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Like all foolish men, he ignores his wife. Husbands, am I right? He leaves her unread. In verse 21, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they all shouted louder, crucify him. At most, at most, Pilate can probably just hold Jesus. Back then, and even today, the death sentence was reserved for serious crimes. But the people still don't say what he has done. You see that? They just say, crucify him. Pilate is probably bewildered. What has this guy done to, to deserve death? In verse 24, Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So Pilate gives up. He can't, give a straight an- he can't get a straight answer from the crowd. And by washing his hands in front of everyone, he's publicly showing that he is not responsible. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. You guys decide. You guys do it. Pilate shirks his duties and punts to the other team. Like Pilate, we believers have the responsibility to do the right thing, but sometimes we don't, and we hope we let someone else do it. Maybe it's setting the table. Maybe it's cleaning the bathroom. Maybe it's comforting your child. I want to define a word here. Uh, abdicate means to fail to fulfill or undertake some kind of responsibility or some kind of duty. Basically, try to get out of things. The Bible is full of examples of people who are derelict in their duties, people who abdicated their responsibilities, people who try to get out of things that were their duty. In Jonah, Jonah was told, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You have one job, Jonah. Go fulfill it. Go preach to this wicked city so that they will repent. What does he do? Skip down to verse 3. He ran the opposite way 
He ran away from the Lord. He tried to get out of his responsibility. Solomon? Solomon was commanded as the wise king of Israel to only worship God. Don't marry foreign women. You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But what does Solomon do? He chased pleasures. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart at, uh, his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. Pilate abdicated his responsibility to carry out justice. It was his re- responsibility. He knew the right thing to do, but didn't. He's saying, there's quite literally no blood on my hands, not my problem anymore. Maybe we know the right thing to do, a responsibility we hold, but we shirk that responsibility or we pass it off onto someone else. We all have duties and responsibilities as a youth, as a spouse, as a parent, as, as a citizen of the U.S. If you're a student, your, primarily, your primary responsibility is to study, to honor God through your studying. If you're out working, your primary responsibility is, is to your job, to your organization you're working for. If you're married, you have responsibilities to your spouse or your family. Here, if you're a citizen of the United States, then we apparently have these responsibilities. Number one, support and defend the Constitution. Number two, stay informed about things. Number three, vote. Number four, behave. Number five, respect others. Number six, participate. Number seven, pay taxes. Number eight, jury duty, which I talked about last time, and I think most of us have at least been called down. And number nine, defend the country if needed. These are our responsibilities as U.S. citizens. But what about responsibilities for those of us who identify as Christians? Well, there are many. I'm just only going to briefly go through these. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm not going to go through all these verses. I don't want to get uh, too bogged down. You can always come back later in this recording and look these up. Uh, As Christians, we have a duty to serve each other, to encourage one another, to, to help carry each other's burdens, to pray for one another, to confess our sins to one another, to continue to do good, to fellowship with one another, to, ho- to offer hospitality to one another, to love your neighbor as yourself, to share the gospel. There are more, but I want to I focus on these last two. One, to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, which is the greatest and the second greatest commandment. And secondly, to go forth and make disciples of all nations. This is called the Great Commission. And I would say these are two of our primary responsibilities, two of our primary duties, as Christians, the greatest commandments and the great commission. We have the responsibility to do what is commanded to us. But all too often, things come up that derail us from our responsibilities. Uh, I think we get derailed by our ego. We get derailed by our sin. We get derailed by our desires. We let our ego, our sin, our desires to, to take over. As John Ortberg puts it, the great evil message of our society is is more, more wealth, uh, more honor, more, more status, more reputation, more, more things. And recently it's become more likes, more followers, more subscribers to your channel. That is the new currency, not gold or silver. Entertainment, technology, there's always a new phone from some company every few months, uh, new gaming systems, new games. Every year there's always a new model of every, of every car. We slowly upgrade our lives, just like we upgrade our electronic devices. I lived in a small apartment in Pasadena before getting married. Less than 400 square feet. 
just me and two cats. Then we moved into a bigger house in Temple City with a yard that I have to mow. We had a baby, so we upgraded the size of our family, which then required new things. And maybe not new, new, but new to my household and therefore takes up space. Cribs and bibs and toys and baby bottles and burp cloths and toys and, and also toys. Maybe your story is similar to my story. Think about your own journey. Even if you are not married yet, think about how your life has maybe improved over the years. More. Our economy is built on convincing people not to be content with what they already have. We are told that we need newer, faster, better, more. We are told that we need more. And quite literally, we buy into it. There are product reviews on any item you can possibly buy on this earth. More. And if and when we ever achieve more, then we want even more. When does it stop? We get corrupted by these things, derailed. Think about what derails us from our responsibilities as Christians. We may battle this for the rest of our lives. And so we abdicate our responsibility as Christians, just like Pilate did. He was supposed to adjudicate Jesus' trial. He's supposed to judge his trial. But he washed his hands. Not my responsibility. You all decide. All you angry Jews, you all decide. Before you judge Pilate, we have the tendency to do the same. The greatest commandment is, Love the Lord your God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. Love our Lord with all our being. Do we? Or do we have things like more that derail us? Love our neighbor as ourselves. Do we? Go forth and make disciples. Go and spread the gospel. Go forth and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Do we? I think sometimes we wash our hands. Let someone else do it. Let pastors and missionaries do it. Let church leaders do it. Let other people build God's kingdom. I'm too comfortable with my own life, building my own kingdom with, well, with more. These responsibilities I've talked about don't only apply to leaders. They are for every believer and every follower of Jesus Christ. But I think a lot of us fall into this harmful mindset of just letting professional Christians being responsible to minister or care for others. But this mindset robs us of the ministry responsibilities that we all have as believers. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, depending on your spiritual gifts and how God has wired you, you may be better at some things than others. I don't lead worship, but I might have other skills that could help out the church. But our Christian responsibilities, each of us has been called to do, not just the leaders. It would be a mistake to think to, to sit back and, and think that it's the professional's job to love, to serve, to be kind, to be hospitable, to encourage the body, to share the gospel. Those are all of our responsibilities. Are we the parent who secretly hopes the other parent does all the dirty work? Pilate, Pilate passed off arguably one of the most important legal decisions in human history, the guilt or innocence of Jesus Christ, to an angry mob. He did that. In the present day, do we maybe pass off the greatest commandments and the great commission to other people, to the professionals, 
do we abdicate our responsibility as believers onto other believers? I'm going to pause here for a bit so that you can all search your hearts. Our church in the midst of this pandemic might be doing well financially, but we are not doing well in fellowship. Sure, we have all these Zoom meetings, but you all know it's not the same. We have our congregational meeting coming up in a couple weeks. We have many of the same leaders doing the same thing every year, and some are getting burned out. It does feel like a few people are doing most of the serving, and some are tired and need rest. Let us know if you can help serve the church. You know who didn't abdicate his responsibility in our pastors today? Jesus. If I can oversimplify Jesus' mission, it is to die for our sins. He has one job. All the other stuff, the teachings, the miracles, is all well and good and important. But Jesus Christ has one mission, to die for the sins of the world. And that's why he was quiet during his trial. That's why he didn't defend himself. He needs, he wants to be found guilty. He's being obedient to the Father. If he speaks up and successfully defends himself, where then is this death that atones for the sins of the world? Jesus is our model. And like us, he was tempted in every other way. He faced derailment of his mission too. Let's quickly flash back to the three temptations. The first one, do you remember this? Tell these stones to become bread. Satan is trying to tempt him with no hunger. The second one, throw yourself down from the highest point of the temple. Satan is trying to tempt him with no suffering. The third one, bow down to me. Get all the kingdoms of the world. Satan is trying to tempt him with no opposition. No hunger, no suffering, no opposition. Satan is saying, Jesus, you can be king and live with no hunger, with no suffering, with no opposition. Take the easy way out. You don't need to suffer. You don't need to die. So later on, when he is with his disciples, Jesus spells out his mission. Verse 21 here. He will suffer and be killed. And when he, when he does that, what is Peter's response? Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. That's why Jesus calls Peter Satan. He's heard this before. Get behind me, Satan. You are stumbling block to me. He's heard this all before in the temptations. Remember? Be the leader without suffering. Be the Messiah without the cross. Choose some less costly way of fulfilling your mission. Choose no death. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You are distracting me. You are derailing me from my mission, from my responsibility. Jesus focused on the mission. Pilate focused on himself. Pilate was thinking about himself. The crowd was getting unruly. He didn't want to deal with it. He knew what was right. He knew Jesus had done nothing wrong. At least nothing wrong enough to deserve death. Verse 24, Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. Pilate was thinking about himself. Jesus was not thinking about himself. Jesus was thinking about his responsibility. Jesus was thinking about his mission. And in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is, un, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. He was tempted to be the leader without suffering, to be the Messiah without the cross. But Jesus did not abdicate his responsibility. He had one mission, to die for the sins of the world, to be that atoning sacrifice. In Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ 
die for us. Even on the cross, he was still being tempted, mocked, ridiculed. Come down from the cross if you are Messiah. In verse, in Matthew 27, verse, verse 42, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He could have easily come down if he wanted to, just to prove a point. But that would have avoided death. Do we overly think about ourselves like Pilate? Want to stay in that safe zone? Or do we focus on the mission like Jesus? Today, I urge all of us to evaluate where we are in our Christian responsibilities. There is an entire list I referred to before, and that's not even exhaustive. But I, I encourage you all to evaluate where you are in loving God with all of your being, in loving your neighbor as yourself, in making disciples of all people. Let's try not to get derailed or distracted from our primary commands, our primary mission with more. In John's gospel, Pilate says to the crowd, here is your king in, in John 19.14. In Latin, the translation is, behold the man. This is one of the most famous paintings depicting the trial of Jesus Christ. So let us do that now. Let us behold the man. Let us behold Jesus Christ for what he did on that cross. Did he die on that cross for us to have more? No, he died on that cross to fulfill his mission, to die for our sins, so that in turn we can fulfill the great commandments and the great commission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send the Spirit to us. Convict our hearts. Help us carry out the great commandments and the great commission. Help us love you with all our being, Father. Help us love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Father, help us spread your word to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.